You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-year-plus partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Turn Micro has been basically researching a number of the underground, cyber criminal underground communities around the world. That's John Clay. He's director of global threat communications at Trend Micro. The research we're discussing today is titled Cash and Communication, New Trends in the Middle East and North Africa Underground. So we've done research on the Chinese one, the Japanese, uh, Russian, a whole slew of them. And so we thought we would move to the Middle East and North Africa region and see what's going on within those undergrounds. So we started doing research a couple of years ago. Uh, We published our first report last year, and then we made an update to it this year. So let's dig into some of the things that you found. What were some of the, the things that shifted in 2018? Yeah, it's interesting. It appears that this underground is getting more sophisticated. And part of the reason we're seeing this trend is because of the way they're communicating within the community. Last year, what we saw is a lot of open source messaging solutions being used, communication channels being used, and they've really moved to a more secure channel. They're using more encryption-based messaging products now so that the communications between each other is encrypted. And so obviously they're looking to stay under the radar, stay out of reach of law enforcement by going to this route. So that's one thing. A second thing that we noticed was more money laundering services being offered within this underground. And again, it shows the sophistication moving to a better form of selling their services and goods in order to make a profit and keeping it under the radar again. So we're seeing a lot more 
of these actors within this underground, utilizing better communication channels and improved selling services. Hmm. Well, let's dig into some of the details here, uh, specifically with the financial services. Can you take us through what's, what, what sort of things are they doing here and, and how are they handling their money? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we see this in other communities out there around the world where other actors will offer actors within the community underground services. And in this case, it's money laundering. So they're using money laundering services and offering those to other criminals within the underground. This allows them, obviously, to make more money. They are working within the community. They get to know the other actors within the community. You start building up a reputation within that community of offering good service. And as such, we're seeing you know, these actors utilize more and more these types of money laundering services. And this really is just a way for them to make sure that a transaction cannot be found by law enforcement or other you know, good people out there in the world that are tracking this kind of stuff. Now, they're also uh, using these types of services to convert actual physical items into cash? Yeah, that's uh, part of the service as well. So depending on what is stolen, you know, if it if it is electronic data, obviously, then they're trying to sell that data in that underground to other actors or to people who come to this underground from other areas of the world to buy goods and services within this underground. So they're selling the electronic stuff. But in a lot of cases, they will try to utilize physical goods and services as a way to create money for themselves. So let's say, for example, you wanted to change some electronic money into physical cash, you can go and get gift cards or do something, uh, you know, purchase goods and services using stolen credit cards and get those physical items shipped to you. And then you can sell them into, you know, to people around the, around that community. Now, in terms of, of these folks finding each other, can you describe to us what, what are the forums like? Is this a, a private thing? How, how does one uh, prove their worth to be able to have access in these forums? I think a lot of it comes from just the sharing of the different forums, people doing searches within the underground community, finding the different forums that are out there. So there's forums on carding, there's forums on money laundering, there's you know lots of different things there. So you just kind of search for it. And once you find a community or a forum that you want to be able to work with, in a lot of cases, you do have to join. They can be private, although a lot of them still are public. Uh, we still do see a lot of public communications out there in this underground because it still is a pretty new underground community within the big scheme of things. So they are learning as they go. Um, You know, most of the actors we found as being male in their mid-20s is kind of the profile today of of the typical actor within this community. And so, you know, they are just communicating amongst each other. Uh, Once they find somebody who they like and they work with well, then usually you see that communication move to a more of a private mode. And again, using communication channels that are all encrypted. I see. Now, one of the other things that you highlighted in this research is uh, the availability of discount travel services. What's going on here? Yeah, this is an interesting one. In fact, we even published a full report on this. And we're seeing more and more of these, you know, the actors want to go on vacation, right? Just like anybody else in the world, they want to be able to go and take a trip. Now, the thing that is interesting in the underground is that they can get these trips and whether it's a airline ticket 
or hotels or car service. And they're buying these services in the underground at very discounted prices because in a lot of cases, other actors are stealing this type of data or, or obtaining this kind of data at a, a very low discount uh, or very large discount, I should say. And so again, you, you know, there's lots of different services being available in these undergrounds. Travel is one of them and is being used by more and more of these actors because they do, like I said, want to just go and take some vacation sometime. Now, is this another opportunity to launder some money by having it flow through these travel services? Very much so. Again, you know, these these actors have found another way of laundering their uh, goods and services that they have stolen. And so they basically money launder it by selling that to other actors who pay them money for those services. Then they're done with them. So it's another form of uh, looking for profit and, and obtaining profit from their mischievous activities. Now, is there any sort of uh, reputation tracking? I, I can imagine particularly with travel, you know, if I show up at a a hotel somewhere halfway around the world and and they don't know anything about my reservation, well, uh, my vacation uh, might might be ruined. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, part of the service is actually they have a concierge service. So Hmm. you can contact the organization that you purchase these from and they will manage that for you. So they will be contacting the hotel, for example, making sure the reservation is good. And again, you know, part of it is, is when you find an organization or or an actor who is providing this, if he's providing a good service, you get, you know, just like the others, you can, you can get five stars or four stars, something like that. And you get rated. So people will use those that that have a good reputation and make sure that, and, and those that follow through on the goods and services that they are selling. Now let's dig into some of the means by which they're communicating with each other. This is another thing that you all tracked in the research. Yeah. Again, it's the shift that we saw was the use of some of the more public messaging. So Facebook Messenger or some of the other types of open source, so to speak, messaging platforms to some of the newer platforms that have a more encrypted capacity associated with it or a feature associated with it. So we're starting to see more and more of these actors move to these platforms, these messaging platforms that have encryption built into them. And that allows them, again, to ensure that their communication between each other is private and is very difficult to break, essentially. And so the the sort of flow of the conversation is, do they meet each other in a forum and then generally take it offline? Yeah, that's one way. But even within the forums, if you're communicating, a lot of cases, they will try to do encrypted channels and within the forum as well. So you're going to see that. But if it definitely in the one-to-one communication model, it is definitely going to be an encrypted channel in most cases today. Hmm. So what are you tracking as we head into the new year, just starting with 2019? What do you expect to see happening here? What sort of evolution are you are you going to track? Well, we're definitely going to keep tracking this underground because we are seeing a lot of shifts and changes within it. We tend to focus on the cyber criminal aspect of it. We don't look at the nation state potential nation state type activities. We're looking at at more of the cyber crime profit oriented actors within this underground. And what we're seeing them is definitely shifting to a more global presence. So they are looking to 
attack more global organizations outside of their region. We're seeing a more improved malware development within the underground. So we'll likely see improved malware coming out of this underground and being used by the actors within this underground. I think we're also seeing somewhat of a shift in who they're targeting. In the past, they were targeting some of the government and and other types of organizations, and we're seeing them shift more to the oil and gas industry within that region. And one of the things that we are concerned about is that they are somewhat doing proof of concepts within their own region against oil and gas. And we could see a expansion to some of the oil and gas organizations around the world and targeting those organizations through the learning process that they made to make sure that they can attack them in a successful manner. Now, when you say targeting oil and gas, what kind of stuff are they doing there? What what are they going after? It can be a lot of things. A lot of it is extortion today. So Mm. they're looking to take down certain manufacturing process or certain systems that are running the business in order to extort that organization into paying them money to bring those systems back online. We also are seeing a lot of data theft. Uh, It could be intellectual property theft that they plan to sell to other oil and gas organizations around the world. So lots of different types of activities that we could see come from them. You know, once you're inside an organization's network, you really have free reign to do what you want. And so it really just depends on the actor and what they are interested in doing at the time. Now, you mentioned uh, how in your research, you you tend to keep separate uh, the nation state activity from the criminals. In this part of the world, do those two groups tend to stay apart from each other? Is there is there overlap? Do you have any sense on that? I haven't seen that today, Dave, but I think, you know, one thing that you do see inside these undergrounds is the sharing of information and the selling of the of the threat content, right? The threat vector. So whether it's a piece of malware or something. So it's not unlikely to see actors who are doing different types of attacks using threats that come from the other actors that are building it for a different type of an attack, right? Like a cyber criminal attack or a profit attack versus a destructive attack. They may look at using the same type of uh, malware or the same type of infrastructure. Now, what about the breadth of services that you're seeing here? I'm thinking specifically of, uh, you know, catering to people with different technical capabilities. Can I if I was interested in something, you know, from from a from a turnkey service to to uh, something more technically sophisticated, can I sort of dial it in for myself? Yeah, that's all available and within this underground. Although this one, this underground still is a bit early in terms of sophistication. So if you're looking for a very sophisticated or a weaponized type of malware, you're probably going to go to a different underground, a lot more likely like the Russian underground is known for that type of malware. Hmm. And that's the thing that also is unfortunate for us in the in this community because these actors are starting to be more global and work together in other regions of the world. So, you know, picking and choosing which services you need and who makes the best within that is you start seeing those those types of uh, communities being built up and around the world. And, and so obviously with the internet being a global communication channel, you can do that. But again, you know, going back to this particular underground community, Really, it's, it depends on what you want. And, and if you want it, it's more, more than likely you'll be able to find it. 
Now, what about um, language barriers? Do the local languages spoken, does that tend to keep things more regional or are they staying close to home? Yes. In, in fact, in this particular underground, the uh, Middle East underground, they do speak in local languages more than we see in some of the other undergrounds around the world. So that tends to keep it somewhat closed. So unless you are speaking the local language, you may not get access to some of those forums. You may not be able to get participate in some of the communications that are happening in there. So that does tend to hinder the, the the size of this and growing the size of this underground. Unlike the Russian underground, for example, where English is used in, a, in a many, many cases, although Russian is still used in a lot of places, but English is still available within that underground and predominantly. Now, in terms of uh, folks around the world keeping this group on their radar, what are your recommendations for dialing in an appropriate level of monitoring and concern? Yeah, I think for most people out there, obviously reading the reports that us and other other organizations are putting out about this underground is, is a good place to start learning about it. I think we also are seeing, uh, for example, the United States DHS coming out in, on occasion with reports or alerts about activities that you see from this region of the world. So I think all of those are good places to start. You know, we, like we, I said, we're going to continue to do investigations within this underground and we'll continue, whether it's a blog update or, or another report uh, next year. Keep you on your toes and see what's happening. Our thanks to John Clay from Trend Micro for joining us. The research is titled Cash and Communication, New Trends in the Middle East and North Africa Underground. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now, a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.